Good evening, cruisers. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite technology resource, Cruising on Cutting Edge, where I, your driver, Wellington Froelich, take us on a spin through the world's craziest discoveries coming out of our universities today. Ladies and gentle cruisers, I have an interesting place to ferry us on over to today. Last week, when we camped overnight at the University of Washington, right in there, main quad. We discussed the old but only budding technology of gesture recognition. Now roughly another bajillion hours away we are arriving in town in Boulder, Colorado at the University of. In case you're curious that is an accurate estimate for such a trip because our cruisers aren't the best with hills. Tonight we are looking uh, we are looking at our a second attempt at a form of biomimicry, which again is the copying of actions or traits that nature displays. So biomimicry. The last one that we uh, discovered being the metal buffet that keep, keeps the doctors away. Uh, as that mimicked the behavior of bacteria in the form of chemotaxis. Very interesting episode. Check that out. I love that one. Very, very crazy. Anyway, the research, the re these researchers in uh, Colorado, Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, want to know how to locate the source of an odor. But before we put the metal to the pedal, we must fuel up with a few announcements. Folks, uh, last week was a major success. After my initial cruiser's causerie at the furniture store and the stickers I have printed for the show, again, shout out to my sister who made the design, I more than doubled the tow views of the show and my listener audience. So thank you so much to the new cruisers for joining us on this incredible ride of our lifetimes. Also, thank you very much to TJ Madison Furniture here in Burbank, California. TJ Madison is a small, local, family-owned furniture outlet here in town. The owners are so kind uh, to let me host the first Cruiser's Causerie, and they are very helpful in finding the right item for your needs. They offer modern furniture, and I believe they have a wonderful selection, in my opinion. Best of all, TJ Madison Furniture is having a clearance sale for the foreseeable future. So please, before you head down the road to Ikea, stop on by their convenient location here in Burbank, California. Again, that's TJ Madison Furniture. One other announcement I, I have. I noticed you can leave a rating on Spotify as well now. Uh, they must have heard me complain in my sleep enough because I don't remember telling them to do that. But uh, now you can, and please do. And just a reminder, you can also leave a full review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let me know what you think of the show. Also, I encourage you to send your thoughts in on the applications of our technologies and practical means, or, or even if your ideas are super sci-fi. Imagine a world where blah, you know. And as always, feedback is fueled for the show. So email me if you have any thoughts on, on that. Uh, again, cruising or cruising with wellington at gmail.com.
So, folks, that's enough. Let's get buckled up in our favorite leather bench seats and take our new, brand new, 1954 Chevrolet Corvette. White with red accents on a bit of a spin. In the odorous halls of the University of Colorado Boulder, there exists a lab called the Ecological Fluid Dynamics Lab, led by Professor John Cremaldi, where they are studying the dynamics of fluids that are accompanied with odors. Specifically, how gases are traced to their emission source by animals. Basically, how the dogs smell out that sm small scent of leftover McDonald's fry in the fold of your rear seat. There are several practical applications for this, and we shall get to those. But as usual, first, we shall take a short jaunt down theory lane, followed by a skirt on through hardware and testing square, and lastly, climb our slow way back onto the on-ramp to the future. In case you didn't know how we and most living things smell, well, I know I could use a shower, but not that type of smell. I mean, scent of smell. There are cells in our nasal cavities that bind with odorants, which are going to be gaseous molecules that get trapped in our tiny hairs and mucus. These cells um, are neurons that capture these odors that then send electrical impulses to the brain. These receptors or neurons are actually very specialized in the odors they bind with. So the brain can detect the tequila you're having for breakfast and the whiskey you're having for lunch. This, by the way, was actually a major breakthrough only made recently in 1991. So that's the gist of smelling. The next part of the theory is how do animals source out the guy in the group who perpetrated the foul stench without having to ask? There are several interesting nods to previous research in this January 2020 paper that I read titled A Comparison Between Mouse in Silico and Robot Odor Plume Navigation Reveals Advantages of Mouse Odor Tracking by A. Gumast et al. Moths, lobsters, and mammals have all been studied before. Mammals tend to zigzag when looking for a scent. Moths appear to smell better when it would normally become harder to smell, and lobsters use their antennas. They also talk about how research was done when they covered up an antenna of a fruit fly and determined it failed to find odor. Anyway, there's some very strange stuff going on there. Some robotics tried to mimic theories people had on how moths and lobsters smelled. For moths, they successfully used fans to act like the wings of moths to increase the difference in concentration of the odor between two sensors. For lobsters, however, this, in, uh, this version of differential, or what they call stereo smelling, uh, i.e. being able to smell independently out of one's olfactory senses, like our nostrils are stereo smelling nostrils. Um, for lobsters, it was not successfully implemented. Uh, the robot, the robo lobster is what they called it, took more, quote, torturous routes than the lobster as the odor pattern got more complex and chaotic and mixed with the surroundings. But you know what that means. They had a smelly freshman sit there for hours watching some rinky-dink robot butt against a wall until either the freshman quit or it finally happened upon the odor source. Now, back to our guys, though. 
at Colorado uh, Boulder. They used mice computer models, which they call in silico uh, models, and robots with those uh, algorithms from the models uh, uploaded to them. By the way, in silico, I believe, refers to silicon, which is a common material um, used in computer chips. So in silico. Um, for the models and robots, it appears to me that they used this differential smelling or stereo smelling approach between a left and a right sensor and made the model and robot spin accordingly. Um, and I think this is a great point uh, to turn onto hardware and testing square. So cruisers, we are talking about how to find the source of an odor. Skirting onto hardware and testing square now. The researchers go into great detail about how they took care of the mice, like the night and day cycles, the temperatures and humidities they were stored at, the age and the type of mouse, which is a C57BI-6, in case you were interested. Nuts, uh, I think. But of course, it is for you know regulation purposes as well as for others to repeat their experiments. Anyway, they had to train the mice to follow the odor. The way they did that was first training them to use gypsticks, which would release droplets of sugar water. Once they were, quote, lick trained uh, on the gypsticks, they began spraying odors above three gypsticks in a chamber, and um, they used 50% ethanol as the odor associated with the functioning gypsticks, so yeah, alcohol. That whole process took them about a half, a month and a half. The robot they got was a simple pre-constructed Arduino robot you can buy online. They stuck some gas sensors on it uh, also from online. Uh, and they, uh, they made it start inside the chamber where the mouse did and had it start out pointed in different directions or angles away from the odor. The results for a basic odor being emitted from you know, one of the three plumes in the chamber uh, were actually very positive for the robot and the um, computer in silico models. Um, but as soon as they turned on, to, uh, on the two other uh, sprayers that were just spraying air, the odor began mixing, creating a field of complex fluid motion and swirls of odors. The mice were given 45 seconds to find the odor the robots and the simulations were given 75 seconds. And they have several videos linked in their papers. And for what it's worth, I sat there looking at the mice and the robots move and a few good chuckles when the dang robot just went into a corner to cry <laughs> and failed. <laughs> These mice though, uh, I'm starting to believe they'll find the perpetrator in the group, no matter the conditions, tornado, hurricanes, you name it. I mean, they were successful I think 100% of the time, or nearly. So the researchers are still left wondering how to improve their work, both for the model, um, which includes simulating the fluid uh, uh, release, the odor, um, which they're really good at at this lab, um, and, and the robot, um, and how to how to improve the robot, uh, which uh, algorithms, which were both of which you know the model and the robot were bested by the mice. They believe uh, they do have a hint. Mice tend to change the rate. Uh, there's two things. Mice tend to change the rate at which 
they smell or sample the winds on the fly. Faster breaths or intakes and longer inhales might have different applications. And they are determined that with their next round of funding, they will be able to nail that down. Uh, they also realize that mice speed up and slow down uh, during the scent hunt. This perhaps also helps with tracking through a chaotic mix of air and odor and can be simulated on a robot. So all in all, a very fun experimental setup, but does this model they hope to perfect and this robot they hope to make have any hope for a practical application? Cruisers, let's slowly climb our way up the Colorado, uh, Colorado I-70 mountain road. Back now onto the on-ramp to the future. The first big idea they had with this technology is rescue animals. Think about all the disasters in the world, like that recent tsunami near the island of Tonga. People get trapped in class building, collapsed buildings, uh, debris, and all sorts of messes. These robots, or at least the sense of smell granted to robots, could be a major boost to the rescue efforts. Now, I know what you're thinking, of course. Yeah, you know, let's get rid of the St. Bernard and replace a, those big, beautiful fur balls with cold, hard steel. I agree. Uh, no, but seriously, if they become good enough, I, I could see an application for them at uh, airports or concerts even. I know there are a lot of people out there afraid of dogs, so perhaps, you know, a Boston Dynamics robotic dog that's out there already and selling could, with a Colorado nose, uh, become a thing. I think my cousin would be mad at me because she is a dog hand handler for a shipping center um, and she wants to go her dog handling business. So anyway, so then are there any other suggestions? Where could you imagine applying a sense of smell to? I could see, you know, military applications, of course, so rather than losing a dog, friend, uh, you lose a bot. Um, now, this is, again, not to, rem uh, not to re remember, th this is not to replace the sense of smell, but so, so no cures here for uh, those who have lost it. It is more so, this technology is more so for tracking the source of the smell. So perhaps in the not too distant future, we might have, you know, tethered drones that smell around for fires, fly over to them in coordination with and locate them in coordination with sat satellites or something like that. Perhaps a surveyor uses drone swarms to sniff out minerals on a piece of property. Just looking at that, uh, you can buy mineral rights to federal land and go look for that if you so desire, maybe with a robotic nose. Uh, real estate developers could use a drone to scope out a property for mold, perhaps. And, very small hint traces of it and, you know, get the price knocked down or get somebody out there to fix it. And of course, Nicholas Cage could buy a robotic pig to find his truffles instead of killing everyone to find his stolen pig. I'm sure there are also very many other interesting applications out there that I have not yet thought of. So please send those in folks to cruisingwithwellington at gmail.com. Cruising without a G with Wellington at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, cruisers. There's no time for mail truck this week, folks. Uh, we will review that uh, next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I look forward to your comments via email or the platform you uh, listen on. Have a wonderful week, and we will be back in the plush.
leather bench seats next time. My song recommendation for this week is Wild Horses by Susan Boyle. Do check it out. Very, very fun song.